0: In every pair of Tacovas boots, you can expect handmade quality, first-wear comfort, and timeless western style. Tacovas boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tacovas.com. That's T E C O V A S.com. And don't go gently, y'all.
1: Before history is written,
2: Bobby
3: the
1: it's played. Tonelli, the nice Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Score! Before it's etched in silver. It's carved in ice. What happens
3: next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. are you there
2: yeah brother i'm here
3: all right, good man. Glad. I didn't think that this equipment worked. We hadn't uh we hadn't had no podcast this week. Yeah, this well, being the only one. It's kinda of nor unnormal for us. Yeah, but it was worth
2: it. You gotta go up and uh have some fun up north and uh do a little bit of things you haven't done before. And we spent some for time sure. on the river down here and we gave Monday a break with uh, Memorial Day, so
3: yeah, with with the planning of everything, I kind of I kind of fucked up there and didn't uh, didn't plan one. Well, we planned one for Monday and then forgot that it was Memorial Day, and I know that our guest uh, probably had uh, some stuff going on. So we're gonna link back up with him on Monday, so you will actually be able to hear him. And then obviously, just the the world collides. We had some things happen here at home, and so we kind of had to push a couple things off and. Now we're back at it. Yeah,
2: it's all right, man. Come holidays, I hope people are out having fun, doing things, playing on the river, getting out in the water, enjoying, hanging out in the woods, whatever they want to do on a holiday as opposed to sitting in their car or listening to us. As much Actually, as I want them listening to us, I, I hope they're out doing something better.
3: <laughs> I'll tell you this is, I, I wish that I could have stayed up north a little bit longer, but... Um, for you that don't know or haven't seen yet, um, I spent three days in the North Woods of Maine um, doing some moose shed hunting, which was uh, was some of the coolest times of my life. I will say that um, I say that about every trip that I take, just so you guys already know. Um, but well, each uh, time
2: you go out, you're doing something fucking cool. So
3: it's something new. But it was it was fun. So we got to hit in the Northwoods. Um, there actually is a, v- a YouTube video on our YouTube of our shed hunt up there in the Northwoods. So you guys can go and check that out uh, at the Outdoor Drive podcast on YouTube uh, and kind of see what we actually did. Also, some more positive things coming from this holiday weekend. Uh, we just shipped out a metric shit tonne. Of outdoor drive podcast stickers, um, so they got shipped out and they should be arriving any day now. Uh, I shipped them out uh, da, 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 Wednesday, so they should be starting to arrive in people's houses. So, but if anybody hasn't had one or hasn't got on the mailing list for them, just do us uh, do us a solid. Send us a, a message on Instagram or Facebook, and I will make sure to get one shipped out to you. Not very many left. But we will be doing another run, um, and we will be having them for sale soon. Uh, Also, to go along with that, uh, our T-shirts, What Drives You Outdoor T-shirts on Bonfire, that still is – running so the campaign is still up and running so you can buy our t-shirts there uh on bonfire if you need the link also just message me message steven uh look on our facebook page instagram uh we'll get you the link one way or another if you guys want to join in on that and get an outdoor drive t-shirt for sure Um, Uh, one other thing when you guys get these stickers shoot us a,
2: a message shoot us a picture of where you guys put them what you do with them And uh, we'll kick that back out. It's going to be really cool to see how you guys want to represent that.
3: Yeah, tag us in it. Make sure you tag us in it on your story, uh, on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, we definitely want to see it. We'll share it with others also. Yeah. So please make sure that you do so. Uh, yeah. We definitely want to see where you put them, whether it's on your cooler, whether it's on your mugs, whether it's on your car. We want to see it. So send it to us, guys. We definitely
2: yeah. want to see where you're putting these bad boys. So, so. mine's going straight on the kayak. We're going to pimp that down the river all week.
3: <laughs> well, you can't put yours on the, your big one on the
2: kayak. No, No, no. the big one's going on the car, but Right. We're going to be rocking one out on the kayak on the
3: water. Okay. (laughs) I definitely going to send, I'll send down a couple little ones to you also. I didn't send yours yet. Yours didn't hit the mail. I forgot. No, that's all right. I
2: fucked up on that Uh, one. No, other people got uh, priority here. No, let them get theirs it doesn't work like that it doesn't work like that it's one of you know when you when you work for the company you know the people get the stuff before you
3: (laughs) i guess i guess that's how it goes huh
2: yeah that's the story i'm gonna stick to yeah oh hold on trev it sounds like we got some news for the crews coming up let's give it a listen
0: Hey everyone, Mike here with some news for your crews. With the pandemic in full swing, we're seeing a lot more people getting the opportunity to spend a lot more time in the outdoors, which is fantastic as long as you're doing it right. Uh, And here in Massachusetts, unfortunately that wasn't the case. Uh, Environmental police were doing uh, Plain Clothes Enforcement uh, along the Boston Waterfront on May 18th and observed numerous striped bass fishing violations, uh, including possession limit violations, minimum size violations, and illegal possession of river herring. Uh, The officers actually issued nearly $2,500 in fees and confiscated 15 striped bass. Uh, Unfortunately, I I think that the the fines don't don't fit the crime these days and could be a little higher, uh, especially with... You know what we're seeing with the changes in the regulations here and you know along the East Coast, but there's always a silver lining. And the bass that were confiscated were uh, stored properly overnight and were donated to a Boston homeless shelter. So that's fantastic. And uh, also, you know, this time of year, foraging season is also in full swing. Uh, and with the increased interest and people spending more time outdoors, uh, it results in some you know, misidentification of wild edibles, maybe more so this year. Uh, and the poison center in Portland, Maine has seen a sharp increase in poison in the spring, specifically associated with the misidentification of a ramp lookalike uh, known as false hellebore. False hellebore can resemble um, ramps uh, when they're young, uh, but they won't, they won't have that characteristic onion and garlic smell uh, that a ramp would. Uh, the poison center actually serves New Hampshire and Vermont, and usually has only, you know, has zero to eight cases of false hellebore poisoning per year. This year, they were up. They're already up to 25, and most of that was in May alone. Uh, and 22 alone were in Vermont, with 20 of those requiring hospital attention, 11 of those requiring uh, the patients to be admitted, and seven patients uh, actually need critical care for the poisoning. So it comes down to know your edibles, everybody. You know, stay safe out there. Do your research. You know, talk to your friends that that have been doing it a long time. I myself have uh have pulled from Trev's knowledge before and you know, it's just be safe out there everyone. Um, moving on. Uh most of us, at least out here on the East Coast, um, don't have a lot of opportunity locally for uh big game lotteries or earning preference points and um, on the East Coast, a lot of times when you think of that, you think of moose lotteries or you think of out West with mule deer, elk, sheep, you know, some of the larger animals. Well, lo and behold, there's actually another big game species here in the East uh, that might interest some of you, and that is uh, alligators. South Carolina alligator hunting season starts September 12th this year, uh, but the application period for a tag is underway right now. Uh, started May 1st and it goes through June 13th, 15th, and, uh, it's actually only a cost of about $10. And any unsuccessful hunter who does not get a tag, uh, will actually earn a preference point. So when, uh, when applying hunter has, uh, you know, goes through the process they have a choice of four management units uh, to pick from and you have to order those in your preference Uh, when you if you do are selected for a tag it's only good for the management unit you're selected for not any of the other ones And for anyone that is lucky enough uh, to get drawn for a tag uh, they will need to purchase their tag before the end of the season on October 10th or they will actually forfeit any preference points that they've accumulated to this point So, but another great opportunity here on the East coast and, uh, our last bit of news for now, uh, sends us to Jackson, Wyoming, where the Wyoming game and fish department has released a plan to bring native cutthroat trout back to Game Creek in Jackson Hole, uh, which is one of, one of a few streams uh, in the Upper Snake River watershed that has been completely taken over by non-native brook trout. Um, weird to think of here in the Northeast, native brook trout are kind of a staple. I myself uh, grew up fishing them in in little creeks up in Vermont and here in Connecticut. Uh, But the Wyoming Game and Fish Department plans to use a fish poison called rotenone uh, to remove all the brook trout from Game Game Creek. Uh, The process is supposed to start in early summer this year and be repeated again in 2021. Uh, with the hopes to be able to stock Game Creek with cutthroat trout fingerlings and eggs uh, in the future in an effort to reestablish spawning habitat you know spawning in um, the creek so that's a tough one tough one to hear you know when we think of you know the brook trout but out there they out compete and they're non-native and hopefully uh, this plan will will bring back a, a native fishery that We can enjoy for years to come. So with that, if uh, there's any listeners out there that that have some news that they'd like to share, uh, feel free to send anything along to me on Facebook or Instagram, uh, just Mike Salter on Facebook or uh, bearded underscore bowhunter21 on Instagram. And uh, I'll be glad to share with that. Take care.
2: Well, there's a lot of information we didn't have before, so take that into account and uh, put that into your pocket to pay attention to a lot of things changing a lot of things going on Uh, Mike thanks for providing that we really appreciate it so jumping back into what we had going on Uh, Trev catch us up what have you been up to
3: but yeah no it's it was a great week I'll tell you um more they were back fishing uh, both me and Steven are back fishing. I'll let him tell about his. Um, I've been out fluke fishing, flounder fishing, blue fishing. Um, we did the shed hunt. We got seven sheds in three days that we're up there. Thanks to Rich over at um, MainMooseAntlers.com. If you guys want to check them out with dog chews or antlers, go and check him out, MainMooseAntlers.com. You can buy all your antler dog chews needs there. Uh, If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have had the time that we had because he really pinpointed us into a lot of directions and we got to learn a lot about the Northwoods and able to collect up a bunch of sheds. So, like I said, go check that out on our YouTube page. Um, For fishing-wise, we've been really pounding it out. Things are kind of just on the slow beginning here. Uh, A couple of keeper fluke showing up. Uh, like I said, we got some bluefish, some striped bass, a lot of smaller ones. No, we have not gotten into the big girls yet. Uh, that's normally not until the end of this month, beginning of the next. So what do you got going on in the, on the good old Shenandoah down there in Virginia, Steve?
2: Uh, big thing right now is we're, we're fighting the rainfall. We've been getting a lot of these leftover rainstorms coming up out of the south, and it's really got the river levels fluctuating, the color levels in the river kind of day-to-day. Uh, la- uh, Memorial Day weekend, we got out Saturday. The river was way up. We were at uh, f- basically 4,000 gallons per second running through the river. So it was fast. It was muddy. Uh, not a lot going on, but it was a really good time to float because you weren't hitting riffles. Uh, water levels were above all the rocks. The rapids were really good, but the fishing sucked because – you know, the smallmouth don't care for it. The river was cold. I think we were at like 62 degrees and now looking outside, it is gorgeous. Uh, we hit up in the almost 80 today. The water this morning was finally down. We were at 2,500 gallons per second, which basically means it's a nice even float. Um, not a lot of rocks popping through, but that sweet spot is still probably a day or two away. Uh the water's clearing, so it's we're we're losing that murky, muddy crud. And uh it's starting to clear back out, and that's what you want for the smallmouth. Uh we did hit seventy degrees in the water this morning. So that really should get these uh mid spawn, post spawn seventy smallmouth. degrees? Yeah wow the the shenandoah is probably one of the warmest rivers i've ever seen in my life we warm up quick it's sandstone bottoms around here and it's like fishing in a swimming pool sometimes but that that 70 degree mark is really what makes these smallmouth start popping so we're looking forward to tomorrow afternoon getting back out and Getting some lines in the water and trying to work these fish right off of the nest. Um, hopefully, a lot of them have already popped. They've already post spawn, and if that you happens, guys are already
3: having having bass spawn,
2: yeah, yeah. Right now we're uh, from what we saw the last trip out, a lot of them were on the nest, uh, real protective, you know. So putting a salamander right on the nest is a really good way to go about it uh just try to get those fish to aggressively strike strike in a protective manner but i think here in the next week or two we're really going to start seeing things uh moving off nests uh, wow, well, it's That's a lot awesome. warmer down here than it is up there in CT. Yeah, so. no,
3: of course. Hey, listen, I, I've I've been out of the freshwater game for a long time, man. Like we're working in, you know, fifty degree water water over seventy degree water. So like the water I'm fishing is just cracking fifty. Uh, obviously, it's salt, but totally different game. So and I've been out of the freshwater game for a while, so I don't even know what it is. But but yeah, I mean, yeah, we're we're almost to that
2: sweet spot. We really. I, I don't see the good smallie fish in here post-spawn until uh, early June, usually. Uh, mm-hmm. Late May, is you still fight a lot of them on the nest, and that's really got to be your tactic. But mm-hmm. right now, it's just kind of that you got to find the fish that have moved off or try to play the ones that are still on the nest, and it makes it a pain in the ass because multiple, t- multiple poles and a kayak... You know, and you only got a couple of flips per section as you float by makes it difficult. But yep. at the end of the day, it's still a good time. The river's flowing smooth. And I can't complain because even if we don't catch fish a day out on the river in the sun, that's a pretty good day in my book.
3: Absolutely. That's that's awesome, Steve, man. It's, it's good to hear what the hell's going on down there. I'm waiting for this uh, big target musky t- trophy muskie that you're going to catch this summer. I can't wait to see those.
2: Yeah, the uh, perfect time is rolling out, so we're going to start pushing the muskie probably June and July and try to get them in that mm-hmm. perfect water temperature. Uh, they don't call it the fish of a fish of a thousand casts for no reason. Oh, we have those too. They are in there, and you got to work them. Uh, you got to be patient, and it's going to be definitely a lot of time on a john boat, but that's the goal. Is uh, we're we're gonna try to pull up one of those sixty inch muskies.
3: Nice man, that's awesome. It's uh, it definitely seems like everybody's kind of heating up and things are kind of starting to get underway. I know, I know, even for here, man, our black sea bass season just opened, so that's kind of one of my favorite target fish. And hopefully, we're just waiting for the the beginning, the middle of the month to come, so we can start doing that here. But uh, our Connecticut water opens, but our New York—that's where a lot of my numbers are. So just waiting for that, man. It's just. It's it's just around the corner, my friend, and our, our turkey season is kind of coming to the end. We have until the end of the week here. Um, I went down scouting, trying to find some birds today. Uh, went and hit the call, and the birds literally tucked their feathers and went the other way. So uh, my turkey season is pretty much yeah, the birds done are and over up. with. Yeah, I'm over it, man. Uh, I did get the chance today to get out and play around with my new bow, which. I'm super excited about, dude. The thing is an absolute tack driver. Um, probably, I don't know. I, I I think it's the best thing that they've come out with since, since they've been in business in my eyes. I thought the synergy was where it's at from Elite, but this Cure, by far, the best shooting bow I've ever shot in my entire life um, as far as the Elite goes. Uh, I'm very happy with it. So we got that thing all tuned in, ready to rock and roll. And, uh, yeah, dude, super pumped about it.
2: Yeah, it's going to be sweet. I, I can't wait to see what happens in the future. But it was really interesting watching you, uh, paper tune the cure as opposed to the ember, you know, mm-hmm. having that ability to shift your camling and everything. I mean, it was like one or two shots and you were on the money. It's and crazy. then going back to a bow that doesn't have that technology and the amount of adjustments and changes and shots that it took to get it right it's and don't get me wrong the embers an amazing bow i've got one sitting right here and it's incredible but that set technology is insane
3: yeah i mean going from the conventional type Bo, back to this new set technology is totally, it's kind of changed the world when it comes to the paper tuning thing. And I've never, like I said, man, I'm a brat when it comes to the archery world because (laughs) I have the, you know, I have friends that are in the realm of it and they normally help me out i just say hey gary i need help with this or hey mark i need help with that and they just help me and they just do it and i don't really i've never really had to do it on my own um so with this whole COVID thing i'm not able to go down to the shops and do that Uh, i was there for a minimal time and they were able to tie in you know uh my peep site and put the rest on properly and everything like that for me And then i had to go and paper tune it and uh
2: honestly i'm glad you had to kind of dive right in head first and kind of, I, I sent you a few diagrams and kind of walked you through some stuff as we were doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you're doing it now, because now you have a better understanding, and it's going to make it you that much more versatile.
3: Ah, uh, it's it's definitely, and and it's one of those things, man. And honestly, and and for everybody listening here, um, if you haven't done it, it's not that hard um it it really there's a lot of avenues like i have steven that's my avenue that's my youtube so i can just ask steve uh where to go and what to do but honestly it's not that hard um it's, it's something that can be done at home and it's in in especially with the set technology um but on other conventional bows um it's it's not that hard you can yeah, do it, it and you it don't is, need a bow shop
2: it's hundred percent achievable at home with very minimal tools Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of get in there, educate yourself, and do it. And you learn. Know? I mean, it's, it's yeah, not. And that's the thing hard. is you do it, and you adjust, and you realize, okay, I screwed up. Why did I screw up? And you go, oh, okay, because I went the wrong way. Or, right. you know, I went too far. or And you start realizing that when you start tuning these things, they're micro-adjustments. You know, you're talking 30 seconds of an inch when you make an adjustment.
3: Yeah, no, have a big tear on one side and it's just a, it's a small movement, um, which is kind of crazy to me. But hey, it was it was definitely badass. And if anyone has any questions or concerns or anything like that, when when doing anything, um, reach out to us. Don't be afraid. Message us, text us, whatever you got to do. Uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we're more than willing to sit down and give you a hand. Um, we don't mind talking to anybody and talking people through it, or we'll put you in the direction of the right thing, whether it comes to fishing, hunting, trapping, anything. You have a question about the outdoors, we're here for you guys, so yeah. just make sure to do so.
2: If we don't know, we'll put you on someone who does know. If we do know, we'll do everything we can to share that knowledge.
3: Absolutely. So we have a, a, a great network of people that we can definitely point you into the right direction of, but... If you guys can do us one favor that we ask, please go over to our YouTube page, subscribe to YouTube, and subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already, please go on there and give us a review, uh, preferably a five star review. I don't, don't be a dick and give us a one star review. But um, <laughs> if that's how you feel, do it. There, that's fine. There,
2: is, there is one hater out there that is going out of his way to lowball us on everything.
3: Well, we know I'm, I have a pretty good clue as to where they come from. I think it's the same dickhead that told me I should tag the bird that I shot at and missed. Probably, um, but that's besides the point. Um, the, but at the end of the day, if he's listening to this and hears this, then hey,
2: that's a win.
3: That's right. Uh, we, we won't make it through without haters. But if you guys could just go and give us a, uh, a star review and uh, on iTunes, if not just, you know, the word of mouth is always great guys, subscribe to our stuff and, and just help us show a little bit of love back. Uh, we'd, we'd greatly, greatly appreciate it. And we don't
2: ask these things just because we're not trying to become famous or YouTube famous or Insta famous or any of that. We actually have a goal behind it. When we hit a certain number, we have got something huge we are going to give away. So For sure. that's that's the drive behind this. I
3: forgot about that. Well, yeah. I didn't forget about it, but yes, that that is the drive behind it and and is to give this special something away. And it's huge. It's not little, guys. It's it's a big, big thing, and you'll have the chance to to hunt with us and uh, it's it's something else. And so, it's
2: not just a cheap hunt. No, it is a full fledged once in a lifetime type hunt for a lot of people.
3: And uh, you know, with that oh, oh, and, and I'll explain it to you guys too. Our goal with doing this and, and the podcast, man, is just to get the word to be spread. Um to 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 work together here. And and with you spreading the word of the podcast and 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 liking and sharing and subscribing and all of this, it gets us out there and gets our word of what the reason why you guys listen to us to other people who are looking for us. Um, so with you sharing and subscribing and so on and so forth, we'll get that out. We just, you know, it's not about being famous. I could care less, man. I'll do this podcast whether they with whether one person's listening to us or ten million people are listening to us. I will still podcast because I have the passion and the love for it. I don't care about for sure. Um, I'm not here for the love or the likes as <laughs> in the podcast. But you had to I, go there. <laughs> of course I did. Uh, but I was still podcast no matter what. Uh, I will still be on social media. I was still being your face um, doing the things that I do every single day and I think Caitlin who is our guest here on the podcast um, she hits that that nail right on the head and and it really it's really something that that we strive for too man the love the passion the brotherhood um, and I'd hate to say it but the greater good uh, we don't do this for any other reason than that but if oh, you guys sure. could do that that, that would be um, that would be next to none that would mean the world to us man that's all we ask but Speaking of love and thanks, <laughs> we probably should thank the right people. Yeah, let's get some business out of the way. Because I guess they in. they don't want to hear us crazy men. They want to hear good old Caitlin. So that's why they're here, right? Of course. So, first off, let me thank Nor'easter Game Calls. Nor'easter Game Calls. Get them in close. Uh, Check them out, nor'eastergamecalls.com. Get your turkey pot calls, your crow calls, your owl calls, your grunt calls. Speaking of, it is almost deer season. Now it is time to think about deer season. You should think about getting the new Evolution Series Grunt Tube from Nor'easter Game Calls. So, check them out. Get them in close. Uh, Also, Wild Edge, wildedinc.com. Uh, go and check them out. The leader in mobile hunting. You can get your step ladder, your saddles, your aiders, your sweaters, your naders, your ropes, your rope men, you name it, you can get it. They're running a sale right now. Go and check them out. WildThatchink.com. Wow. Speaking of sales. Wicked twisted bowstrings. Check them out, wickedtwistedbowstrings.com. Use promo code Outdoor Drive ten. Save yourself ten percent. Um, also, she's always running sales, so make sure to check them out on wickedtwistedbowstrings.com and see what else she's got going on. You know, I tell you this, and I just heard about this, and uh, good old Steve Martik, uh who's a friend and a supporter, and great great mountain man he does bitch about a lot and i will call him out on that but that will be after in two <laughs> seconds um he had wrote to me the other day asking about uh trader jans and their new bowstrings they have these new bowstrings called bloodlines steve have you heard about these i have and they're on that they, you don't have to wax they're their lifetime full of waxing. So I'm excited to check those out on the new cure and the new Ember this year you bet. Um, and get a set of those. So check them out. Wicked Twisted Bowstrings. And the thing I was going to call Steven out on, I did not forget, was he got mad at us and I didn't tell you this, that we need to make a mountain man um, version of the Outdoor Drive podcast t-shirt because his stupid beard is too long and you can't read the Outdoor Drive. <laughs> so he, was said, he had messaged me and he said, there's something wrong with the t-shirt and he sends a picture and it's that and I thought there was actually something wrong with the t-shirt and it was just his beard and I said well if you cut it there won't be a problem so <laughs> good old Steve can't get enough of them. Uh, also I want to thank Scott over at Broadside Camo broadsidecamo.com use what is the promo on that one Steve I believe that one is Outdoor Drive Outdoor Drive capital so, O capital D and what do they get with that one so utilize that promo
2: code. And when you make a purchase of over $45, you're going to get a free item to match your order.
3: So you can get a pair of gloves, masks, so on and so forth. Um go and check out the newest sender series. He just came out with the Ascender sweatshirt, um, which is actually pretty badass for the early season. So go and check them out, broadsidecamo.com. Also, uh huge thanks and support from Deathwish Coffee. Fueled by Death. The world's strongest coffee. They're right out in New York City. Fueled by Death. And Deathcast with amazing Jeff. Uh, use the promo code Outdoor Drive 10 Save yourself 10% off the world's strongest coffee. The cold brews, the K-cups, the beans, the ground. You name it, they got it. They always got cool mugs and stuff. So go and check them out uh, over there at deathwishcoffee.com. Uh, also... We want to thank the Hunter Site, the algorithm for your hunting season. Uh, the HunterSite.com is a place to be. Um, they, it's like a journal, man. It's the greatest thing in the world. They got a free version now coming out. They just came out with some new things. You'll hear from them. I think uh, the eight, June 8th, I think we have him scheduled to release. So you'll get to hear all about it from Bryce Stone. So go and check them out over at. Huntersite.com, site.com and last but not least my favorite tall big old ginger gary hall dnm custom arrows dnm custom arrows.com um go and check them out get yourself some custom fletchings custom wraps you name it he makes it check them out on instagram facebook and also on his website so
2: well you, you are, are forgetting us. one who'd i forget and a very important one coming into deer season What's that? Because without him, we can't live wild. Oh, I didn't forget him. He was second. Oh, I know. I just want to reinforce that. (laughs) (laughs) Because deer season's coming, and I'm getting stoked, and I can't wait to start getting back in the tree
3: it was kind of funny is that when you that you're saying that because actually today i was thinking about taking some steps and going and setting a pre-step actually where i shot my big buck this year so yeah i've been scouting out a few
2: places Uh, in fact i was actually looking at a preset for when you get down here because that damn color phase will not leave my yard Uh, yeah when is when is
3: opening down there man
2: opening is the first weekend of october for archery bear turkey and deer so well, I
3: don't want to mess up your opening weekend, but I might have no, to. no, I,
2: I, I fully intend for you to have your ass down here opening weekend <laughs> okay. to whack the sucker. Cause we did answer an age old question in a way that people don't normally answer it. And that's, does a bear shit in the wood? And the answer is no, it shits in my backyard next to my deck after it crawled onto the deck to dig through my fricking, uh, barbecuer.
3: That's awesome.
2: It opened the grill and got to hang out and checked out everything around there. And we got up and uh, sure enough, it bailed ass off the grill, took a big shit in the yard and then hauled ass. So he's waiting for you.
3: That's awesome. Can't wait, man. I hope I stick and cut the Zeus loose on him. So
2: that's why I reiterate, it's time to live wild. Let's do it. (laughs) <laughs> All right. That being said, uh, our guest today definitely uh, lives wild, and uh, that that's the lifestyle she sticks with. So what do
3: you think? Let's get her on. All right. We're back on the phone with Caitlin Moss. How are you, Caitlin?
1: I'm doing well. How are you guys?
3: Oh, we're doing good. You're Thanks for joining my- us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate you guys having me on.
3: Yeah, it, it's been a, it's been a long time coming. I mean, we've been talking about it since ATA show, so it was nice. And I know you've been you've been struggling with getting the turkey on the ground. And you finally did so.
1: Yes, it's literally been the longest turkey season of my life, but it worked out, so it's all good.
3: <laughs> Why don't we uh, turn this key, get this drive underway? Why don't you explain to everybody who you are, where you're from, and uh, and what you do?
1: All right. Well, uh, my name is Caitlin Moss and I obviously love to hunt and I film and um, I do a lot of public land hunting and, you know, just get out there, kind of get after it. And I am originally from Pennsylvania, but I moved uh, well, I'm living in Kansas now, but I moved to Missouri for college and I am working in KC. So I kind of just stayed out here. I really love it. And uh, the whitetail hunting is pretty awesome. So it's it's like the perfect place for me to be.
3: So now it's so now you're living in the, the, the world of the Giants. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: I hear there's a 150 behind every tree.
1: Maybe not every tree, but like every other tree. Well, it's Kansas.
2: There's only like 20 trees out there.
1: Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No, I wish. I wish it was like. I think that's more Iowa. Yeah,
2: I think you're right.
1: It's pretty great hunting out here. I I wouldn't say 150 all the time, but it's pretty awesome.
3: So, what are the bonuses of being a resident of Kansas? Then, at that point.
1: Well, I'm. Well, I mean, I'm. Like I said, I'm working in KC. So it was like, okay, do I live on the Missouri side or Kansas side? And Kansas is a draw state. So I was like, okay, it just makes sense for me to be on this side because then I have residency here and then I can also hunt Missouri as well. So it kind of worked out that way.
3: That's awesome. So you don't have to worry about the draw for Kansas, you actually get a tag automatically.
1: So nice. <laughs>
3: oh, That must be so nice. Uh, so why don't you take us through your Turkey season? Cause I know you had a lot of struggles and you had a little Turkey tour and you traveled a couple different States. So why don't you go over a couple of the States that you did go into and, and how it kind of played out for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, Oh gosh, it was literally struggle. Doesn't even define it. It's, it was so hard. Um, so I plan to do this tour. Um, I like to, you know, I like to travel and do a bunch of different states every year. But um, with COVID, it just made sense because I wasn't working, and so I was like, "Well, I have all this time to do it. I might as well try to hit up a couple different states and try to make something out of it." Um, my initial plan was just to film everything and and try to make like, I don't know, like a video per state that I did. Which realistically, I didn't expect to kill a turkey in every state, but I didn't think it would be as quite, quite as hard as what it was. But, um, I started in Missouri and then I went to Arkansas, then I went to Illinois and then I finished in Michigan. And I mean, it was, I don't don't even know how to explain it. Like the birds this year, they just overall were just super timid. They were not very responsive to calls. I mean, I didn't even hear a single gobble when I was in Arkansas. And so... like hunting them was just so difficult because I I almost didn't even know what to do because it was like, it didn't matter if I got super aggressive with calling and decoys or even just like hanging back and not doing any of that. Like I, it didn't matter what I did. It was difficult. I couldn't get them close. Um, you know, and I, I did have opportunities and, and I saw a bunch of birds, but, um, they just overall were so disinterested in anything that I had thrown at them. So it was very tough, and um, I did manage to get one in Michigan, um, which it was pretty unconventional. Um, I was sitting in the blind, and I had three Toms come out, and we tried doing a little bit of calling, just to see if they were interested, and literally like the second we started calling, they beelined it like across the field away from us, so I was like, okay, well, I mean, at this point, it was the end of the season pretty much, and I had nothing to lose, and I was like, okay, I feel like – I can sneak up on these birds or at least get close. So got out of the blind, pretty much backtracked, went through the timber that was like surrounding the field, went the whole way out around and was literally like crawling, belly crawling and, you know, just ever so slowly, like peeking up, trying to see where they were at. And I crawled within like 40 yards of them. And then I got behind this tree, pretty much just let them feed like right to me. And at ten yards, I managed to get a shot. And literally, I was so excited, like <laughs> I couldn't even believe it came together because I hunted so hard for like over a month straight. So just to have it like come together was so crazy to me, and it was awesome.
3: So. And and we were all rooting for you. We were in your your corner, like all right, are <laughs> you gonna get one? Is he? We were just like waiting. Know, we're like, are oh, getting <laughs>
1: literally almost every day people are like are you serious you didn't get one yet and I'm like guys I can't even explain to you how difficult like I was deer hunting them at one point like just sitting in spots that I thought they might come by or like that I was seeing them on different days just hoping they would walk by but like even that was just not working like I mean it it did not matter I I do not claim to be the greatest turkey hunter I'm definitely way better at deer hunting but like I was like, okay, I am not this bad. Like this, something's up. Like this is so weird. It's such a weird year. And <laughs> I mean, it, it did not matter what I did, but I mean, it, it came together super weird, but I mean, I made it happen. So it, it was, it was pretty awesome. So well,
3: congratulations. Absolutely. <laughs> so
2: you paired up for that last hunt with, uh, a a pretty unique fella to do some hunt with. <laughs> and, uh, I kind of want to point out that I'm almost disappointed that he got the post about your kill out before you did.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I like, I mean, because it was like such a like, crazy moment for me I wanted to just kind of do like a teaser like whenever I shoot something I do like this little teaser photo of like a little blood on a feather or whatever so I didn't even realize he posted it until like <laughs> I don't even know how long later probably hours later and I was like oh okay but I mean it was fine like I, I didn't care but yeah everybody was like all my stuff like oh my god you did you get one like we, we can't <laughs> tell like we think you did or did you did you miss or what so it like it was like funny that he had it up the whole
2: time and i didn't even know it yeah i was i was scrolling through and i see his post and he goes i'm so excited that we were able to get this done for her in a picture you popped up my yeah. went, like, wait a minute and i was like oh okay i see what's going on here so that's when i messaged you i was like hey man congrats that's awesome and you hadn't even posted it yet yeah <laughs> so i know <laughs> It's all uh, good no, I,
1: was- I was so happy i don't, I didn't even care,
2: <laughs> no, that's really good, yeah, we're happy for you. that was incredible,
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was it, like I said it was so it was seriously such a weird year and and I mean, everyone I talked to they were like yeah we're we're struggling too, so it it was I don't know, just overall just weird so
3: what 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 was like the biggest struggle throughout the whole entire tour of when you were out turkey hunting
1: uh Oh, gosh. Well, it kind of – I mean, each state was a little bit different, I guess you could say. So, Missouri, I had – like, I had birds going, but they were on private, would not come over. Down in Arkansas, I didn't hear a single gobble. Now, granted, I only hunted two days, but, like, it was rainy. Like, the conditions were just kind of eh, and I don't know if there just weren't birds in the area or they just were not gobbling. Um And then Illinois and Michigan, I had a lot of action with birds. Like, I saw a lot, but they just would not come in. Like, they – like, calling, they were not interested in whatsoever. So, it was just really hard to, like, actually turkey hunt. Like, I was honestly deer hunting them at one point because it was, like – any calling or any decoys, like they just wanted nothing to do with. So I had to literally like sit in spots that I thought they would come through and hope that one would come by. And even that was like tough. So I would say just like they were so timid this year. was probably like the biggest like hurdle that I had.
3: Do you think there was like a reasoning for it? Like, because I know like across the board and obviously there was a lot of other people that had been turkey hunting different states and had the same exact problem. Is there anything that you think might have made them that way?
1: I mean, I honestly, like, I don't know. I mean, I would say the weather might have had something to do with it. I think we had just overall a pretty mild winter. So, I don't know if the timing was just off. Um, because, I mean, I did have days where there were birds that were going crazy, you know. So, I can't say that they weren't hot, but they just, like, wouldn't commit. Um, and for that, I really honestly don't know. Like, I really like don't they would know.
3: Like, end up? Like, they would I mean, come out of the tree and be quiet or... With-
1: I mean, some of them are henned up, but then it was it was like I'd see like groups of like three to four toms just like hanging out together or a tom and like three jakes like like they had no interest in hens like they just were just feeding or doing their own thing, like just not gobbling. So I I don't know. It was just so weird. I mean, some of them are henned up, but I mean, others, it was just like they had no interest in anything. So (laughs) it was just so tough.
3: It was definitely a crazy, a crazy year because like we did Virginia and for some reason down there, like when we had gotten there, it had been 80 degrees for a week before and yeah, it was the same thing. It was just so tough. I mean, things were just like either like it had just like clicked and the birds were just doing their thing and hand up or they just mm-hmm. like you're saying just had no interest. Yeah. And it's... I mean... Seemed, and God. Go ahead. No, no. It just seemed like so then when I had come back to Connecticut... um, Things were kind of crazy, but the the birds were hot. But you had to be in their bubble. I mean, they didn't like want to go out of their way to commit to you. Like you couldn't call a bird from a couple hundred yards. Like you had to get in their bubble and and kind of get them to persuade them to do what you wanted them to do.
1: Yeah, I definitely had the same thing. Like, um, and it's weird because you know, a lot of people are like, oh, there's going to be so many people out, you know, hunting public this year simply because of, you know, a lot of people are off work with the virus and everything, which I totally like, I feel like that might've had a factor in some hunting. But I mean, like I said, I hunted like both public and private. So I did get on birds that were not pressured whatsoever and they acted the same way. So it is interesting to me. Like, I, I really don't know if it's just a weird year where maybe, you know, the season just didn't line up with you know, their breeding or, or what it was, but it, it just seemed like every other day it was something different. So it was very interesting.
3: It was definitely a humble, a humble pie year of definitely working yeah. really hard and trying to figure out different patterns and what turkey, cause turkeys were just doing turkey things.
1: Yep. Sometimes there's no rhyme or reason. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> you think that's, you got them figured out and you don't. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, that's just hunting in general. Um, whether uh, yeah. it's Turkey hunting or deer hunting?
1: Yep, for sure.
3: It's, it's never, it's never, it's never a uh, a written script, and they always don't, they always don't follow it. And it's, and it's good to hear that other states they were having the same exact problems because it, it was seemed like, um, you know, for us, like we we're like, oh, you know, this, you know, like Virginia, this sucks, it sucks, and then, then another season would open in another state, and it would be the same exact thing. So it seems like with you going from. F- you know, a bunch of different state to state to state and you were having the same exact problems.
1: Yeah. I mean, and honestly, like I had people on Instagram, like telling me, oh yeah, I'm having the same issue here or whatever. And I don't know. It's, it was just a weird year, but I mean, it's all good. Like it worked out. I did get a bird. It was a little unconventional, but, um, I mean, putting all that time and effort into it. Like it, it was really sweet to like actually have it come together. So I can't complain.
3: (laughs) That's nuts. Yeah. It's, it's definitely one of those things that like you, you, uh, whether conventional or non-conventional, like the turkeys don't play fair. So why should you, you know, (laughs) like you gotta
1: go. Well, that's like I said, like at that point, I only had about a week left to hunt, like just totally. So I was like, I have nothing to lose at this point. Like if, if I sneak up and they spook, it is what it is. Like I'm not, I'm no worse off. So to have it come together, I mean, it was cool.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And so did you, um, did you shoot yours with the bow or was it with the gun?
1: No, I was with a gun. So I started off. Okay. So Missouri I hunted with a gun cause I was like, all right, I want to just like get one out of the way. Well then obviously that didn't work out. So then, um, that was Brittany's gun and I only have a bow out here. So, Arkansas and Illinois, I bow hunted. And then I started off with the bow up in Michigan. Um, and I, I did have some opportunities at some birds, but they were behind some stuff or they were too far out. So like with the bow, it just was not working. So I was like, all right, like halfway through, I decided I'm going to just whatever use the gun because at this point like if i get an opportunity i, I want to have like guaranteed shots so which i don't care like obviously i want one with a bow but i mean i'm just as happy taking one with a gun so i didn't care at all that at that point so
3: no i mean some, yeah and sometimes yeah. you just got to take out the gun and you just got to make it happen i mean it's nice to get them with a bow and it's a bonus but you almost have to get you got to punch a tag before you can start right. getting picky yeah you know? and yeah exactly it, it means exactly the same and it's it's just as much of a challenge whether it's with a gun or with with a bow anyways in my eyes
1: I mean yeah like i didn't work any different like i worked just as hard with the gun so i i mean i've obviously no shame in that so i'm i'm totally happy with it absolutely
3: I totally agree. I I mean that was like me last year. I went and I did it with all with the bow, and then this year I missed twice with the bow, and then I just had to pull out the gun just so I could feel a tag because it yeah, was yep. one of those. It's a struggle. It's yeah. it's never easy. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong, and it seems like for everybody, 2020 season has been that way. Yep. For sure. it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what are you gonna do? You know, yeah.
1: What are you gonna do? <laughs> uh,
3: yeah. So, what's your big plans in Kansas? I mean, I know that now you're living there and being able to, you know, hunt there as a as a native or a resident. Um, do you have any big plans for this upcoming uh, deer season?
1: Well, I mean, yeah. Like I said, I didn't really get to scout a whole heck of a lot yet, but um, I. I mean, you know, I, I like to hunt public, so, um, that's kind of just going to be my focus is, you know, scouting a lot this summer and, and trying to find a place that I feel is going to be worthwhile going to this fall and just trying to dissect it and kind of dive in similar to what I did to Missouri. Um, I actually, I'm probably going to start my season off in Missouri because there's like one particular buck that I have his sheds from and I'm like, like, he's going to be mid-140s this year, I think. And for public, I'm, like, stoked if I can get, like, even if I can see this deer in person. So I'm probably going to start there, and then the rest of my, you know, after that is going to be, like, my focus is going to be Kansas. But I'm I'm excited just to start, like, getting out there and, and just dissecting it and trying to find a good spot. So that's... That's what I'm up to
3: <laughs> now. Now, when it when it comes to like your public land hunting, are you hunting from a saddle? Or are you hunting from a tree stand? Or are you hunting from ground blind? What uh, what what? What's some of your tactics.
1: Um, I mean, it's always like situational, but up until now, I've just been like I have pretty much just scouted as I've hunted. I do a lot of hunting on the ground. And then once I feel really secure about a spot, then I'll hang a stand. Um, But this year I'm going to be doing a lot of saddle hunting, I think. Um, It's it's the first year I'm doing it, but I'm honestly looking forward to it because there's so many times in the past where I'm like, okay, I I like this tree today, but I really want to be over here, you know, tomorrow or whatever. So the mobility factor, like, I'm really looking forward to that because I could have used that so many times in the past. So I think I'm really going to do a lot of saddle hunting this year. Um, So I'm really looking forward to that, but you know, we'll see. It's, it's always situational.
2: Absolutely. You're going to love it. It, It's probably the most versatile way I've ever hunted. Last year was my first year in a saddle and I have a hard time convincing myself to sit in a solid stand afterwards.
1: Yeah, I mean, it'd be different if I had my own property, you know, and I could hang stands and, you know, run cameras and and dissect it super well. But, you know, when I go into new places that I have never seen before, it's like, okay, well, I don't want to just go and lug a stand in there and lug my sticks out there and, you know, do all that and then maybe not like it or want to move it or whatever. So just the, the mobility of it, I'm just, like, so excited for.
3: And that's a great thing with saddle hunting. I mean like you're not picking your spot. I mean you're you're not picking a tree you're picking your spot so you yeah. can literally get in any tree and that that was one thing that definitely like that attracted me to the whole the whole saddle hunting game because there's a lot of areas that like I don't know how it is in the Midwest but as you would know from the eastern side um a lot of like swampland and a lot of oh, smaller yeah. like trees that like you probably wouldn't put a stand in, but you sure as hell, you would definitely put a saddle in because yeah. it's just like, it's cr- you and me, I'm a bigger guy. So, so getting into some smaller trees, you kind of get a little leery on it, but I've literally cut my, my tree size in half just being in a saddle over a regular tree. So, you, right. and it definitely puts you in those areas that you may not have been able to hunt with a regular stand. So...
1: Yeah, I mean, so even last year, like, the buck that I shot in Missouri, like, I mean, you know the story with the bad shot and everything, but the tree that I was in, like, there were so many limbs that were just, like, in my way, and, like, I wanted to be in that spot, but that tree was just inconvenient, so, like, I feel like if I would have had a saddle, it would have went down so much differently because I could have, you know, moved, like, three trees over and been totally fine, but I just literally couldn't hang a stand in it, so it was just, like... Something like that would have just been perfect, and so I'm I'm excited for it this year.
3: Speaking of the Missouri Buck, I was going to ask you about that, and I'm <laughs> I know the story, but everyone else doesn't. So oh why gosh. don't you just share it for everybody? Yeah, please fill us that's, that's a that's a struggle that a lot of people you know may go through becoming you know getting into the sport um, or being in the sport and might have to go through something like that. And and you had the willpower that nobody else, I know I wouldn't have searched that hard. Um, <laughs> I, and, and you, your drive was just huge when it had come to trying to find that book. So why don't you take everybody kind of through the, through the paces that you went through with him?
1: Yeah. So, oh gosh, this is going to be so long. Okay. So um, this particular piece that I was hunting, I had hunted, um, like this was my third year hunting it and I, you know, coming from East coast, you know, the deer quality is so much different. And so when I went to Missouri, my expectations for seeing big deer was just so high, just naturally, cause that's what you see on TV, you know? So, um, I had a lot of opportunities to shoot, shoot bucks, but I just passed and passed cause you know, it's just your standard two year old eight point. That's just what I saw a lot of. Um, so I'm like, okay, I know there's gotta be big deer in here. So, um, you know, I, I passed and I passed. Well, the third year I was like, okay, I need to be more aggressive. I need to like, you know, grind and like actually figure these deer out. Cause I'm, I want to shoot a buck. So, uh, I honestly, I got a really aggressive right off the bat. And, um, the first day that I went in, I hunted, I pretty much was like scouting slash hunting and, Um, I was on this field edge and had these, uh, bucks come out and I was like, okay, so now I see where they're coming from. So then I moved in the next day, got a little closer and kind of just worked my way in. Um, and then it ended up not working out because I had a camera malfunction, which, you know, the self-filming struggle is just (laughs) a whole other level of (laughs) hard. So anyway, that didn't work out. So I was like, okay, um, I need to re-strategize. Well, there is a, uh creek bottom on this other side of the property. So I was like, okay, creek bottoms are always good. So I checked that out. And sure enough, there was another group of bucks over there. So literally went in, scouted, next day came in, hung a stand, and then I just let it go. And then I came back the next day after that. And I had three bucks come in right underneath me. They were just feeding around. And one of them was like, okay, this is this is one I'm willing to shoot. So uh, you know, they're feeding around, whatever. And I went to draw back. And like I said, that tree that I was in was just not a good tree. And I had a limb got stuck in my cam. So I was mid draw and my cam wouldn't rotate anymore. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so I had to like let down, turn sideways and then draw and then turn back to the deer. And so the whole situation was just like, it wasn't good. And, and I mean, It was uncomfortable, but I felt comfortable with the shot itself. Um, But, I mean, unfortunately, I just don't think I was level, and I hit him back in the guts. And so I was, like, so bummed out. Like, as soon as it hit, I knew. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I can't believe that just happened. Like, this this was so perfect, and then it just went to, like, not perfect so fast. So... I was just like bummed out, and I'm like, okay, well, I got down. I checked the arrow just for any blood, and I didn't have a speck of blood. So I was like, all right, well, this isn't good. So I backed out. I let him go overnight um, because that was in the evening. Came back at like 7 o'clock the next morning, and I just started grid searching. And, you know, I mean, obviously deer do what deer do. Like there's no rhyme or reason sometimes, but I – had thought okay so he ran the way that he came from so to me that was his bedding um and so I was really looking hard in the bedding and like anything like right around there and I I think I mapped it out and it was like a total of like three miles that I had grid search like back and forth like walking and I was just getting so frustrated because I, I mean I didn't have anything to go off of except a few like tracks that he had kicked up but after that like I just could not tell which way he went and so um you know obviously I was like sharing that on Instagram like okay guys this is what I'm doing whatever and then I had people tell me like hey you should look into getting a tracking dog so I had never even thought about that. So I was like, okay, well, I don't even know how to find one. So somebody sent me a website and I called the closest one up and I was like, Hey, you know, I have a deer that I'm looking for. I can't find him. I don't have any blood. So he brings his dog out. And, um, even with the dog, I think we tracked another like five hours, just like grid searching back and forth and letting the dog just like kind of do its thing. And eventually we realized that, He cut out into, like, this open CRP field, which to me, like, you know, to me, they should want to run and be, like, hidden, but he ran out in this open field, and I would have never looked out there, but luckily, the dog, like, ended up finding his track and got out there and and found the deer, but, I mean, it was literally, like, a whole entire day process. It was, I think it was, like, evening till we even found him the next day, so, I mean, the meat wasn't any good because it was, like, I think... 80 to 90 degrees that day. I mean, it was so hot, and it Damn. it really was like unfortunate in that sense. But like, I was so happy to find him. Like, I was not giving up because I hunted there three years. And I finally decided to shoot a buck. So I was determined to find him. So yeah, that's, that's the story.
3: <laughs> that's incredible though. It's it cause, cause you throughout the whole entire thing, like just not giving up. I mean, like, I think a lot of people would have just, just been like, Oh, there's no sign. There's no blood. There's no tracks. I, what was I going to do? And you just went, I honestly believe you went completely above and beyond just to, you know, to make the, the story come to an end.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, I just, like, I knew he was dead. I mean, gut shots, like, I think there's a lot of, like, misconceptions with different types of shots. Like, people don't always know, okay, what's lethal and what isn't. Um, and a gut shot will kill a deer. It's just going to take a long time. So I let him go overnight, and I was like, okay, I know he's at least dead or very close to dead by, you know, I mean, it was, like, 12, 13 hours at that point. And then, honestly, till we even found him, it was almost 24 hours. So I was like, I know he's dead. I just don't know where. Um And so, like, that, I couldn't, like, let myself just, like, walk away knowing that. So if I would have, you know, maybe, like, had a shot that I knew for a fact wasn't a lethal shot, I might have given up a little bit sooner. But, you know, like, something like that, I was, like, so determined. (laughs) So I'm glad I, like, stuck with it, though, because, you know, we ended up finding him. So.
3: Yeah, and it's, it's an absolute beautiful buck.
1: Well, thank you. I'm so proud of him. Like when he stepped out, like my heart was going, I mean, he's no giant by any means, but I was like, okay, this is, this is what I'm willing to shoot. So let's, let's do it.
3: (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, any, any deer that you take is obviously a trophy. And I know that like you going into it and going to Missouri and stuff and then hunting from, you know, from Pennsylvania is totally different ball game. It's like, yeah, just to adapt and then to have those deer come out and, and and you think you're going to have a 180 come out on you and then to, you know, to take the deer that you did. I mean, that's, that's a trophy in itself for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm more than happy with him. And like I said, like, I finally pulled the trigger after three years, I was not willing to just like let him go and not find him. So.
3: And you did your own Euro on him, didn't you?
1: I did. Um, the bleaching like didn't turn out as good as I had hoped. Like it's, It's not, like, completely white, but at this point, I I think it looks fine. But, yeah, I mean, I (laughs) – that was, like, my first time doing that, so it's it's okay. But, um, yeah, I – well, that was back in September that I had shot him, so it was still super hot, obviously. And because I didn't find him right away, there were, like, bugs that were, like, laying eggs and flies and stuff on him. So I just, like, let them – lay eggs on it and then I ended up burying the head and I think I left it in the ground for like a month and then dug it up and it was pretty much cleaned off like I had a little bit of skin that I had to pick off but other than that like it was already clean so I didn't even have to like boil it or you know do anything crazy so that was kind of like cool to just try out
3: absolutely yeah, yeah. so what what did you use to whiten it
1: uh so I used like a peroxide and um I think it's like some sort of like hair bleach, like for human hair, like bleach. Yeah. Like it's like something 40 something. Yeah, it's a P- the PFS,
3: PFS yeah. 40. Yeah, it's, yes. it's from like Sally's Beauty Supply or something. Yes,
1: yes, yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean that normally works really well. Like if you take it and you bag it and then so the the, the key to it and I this is a tip and I normally give it, don't it give away your trade well. secrets trade. Yeah, you gotta be careful with this. Um, yeah, no yeah. so if you take the if you take the, the the that the cream and then they make a um like a powdered um bleach that you mix into it and you and you mix mm-hmm. the two of them and then you take it and you put it on it and then you cover it with like a, a Walmart bag, like a plastic mm-hmm. bag. And then you set it out in the sun because it's heat activated. You know, like the crazy women I with the curlers yes. and they and they take and they put the heat thing over. The <laughs> I top love that explanation. Head. The crazy women with the curlers <laughs> and they put them, you know, with the tin foil, and they take it yeah. and they put the thing on their head. Well, it's heat activated. So a lot of people don't understand it, but they'll put it on there and then they'll put it in their basement. Well, the basement's the coldest part. So you have to put it out yeah. in the heat to make it really activate. And then it'll really eat up the peroxide will eat on the bone and make it a lot whiter.
1: okay that makes so much more sense maybe that's why mine didn't like get as quite as white as i thought it was going to yeah so maybe i'll have to like retry that
3: i mean it's always worth a try but i mean that that has its own unique uh has its own you know now it's 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 your first it was your first missouri buck and it was your first euro so it's kind of like one of those things that means the most you know
1: oh yeah yeah for sure i mean
3: (laughs) go ahead no did you kill a buck didn't you kill a buck in pennsylvania too before uh no (laughs) no okay like, like
1: honestly i haven't really well the past since i've been in missouri i haven't hunted pa a whole lot i get to come home for the late season but um that's just like a handful of days that i get to hunt and by then it's hit or miss right um but i honestly i haven't shot a buck in pa in quite a few years just mostly because i just don't have the time to really dedicate to it but Yeah, I I missed a buck. Um, Two years ago, I think it was, my dad and I go to this place we call the island. It's literally an island on the river. And there's just a bunch of guys out there. And honestly, it's like the best time ever, because it's like late archery muzzleloader. So it's like flintlock season. And, you know, there's just a bunch of guys out there that shoot it, shooting a deer and deer go running by. And like, you honestly just like have to forget how to really hunt because you just have to be ready to shoot. Um, So I had a buck come running by and I just like misjudged the yardage. And I, I shot right under him. But aside from that, I have not had a deer in PA in quite a while.
3: (laughs) PA is a whole different world of hunting though. And I think a lot of people don't
1: understand.
3: (laughs) It's it's crazy. Like the PA is like one of those States of like, everybody, they drive deer. I mean, it's like everybody, I mean, it's like a national holiday, um, like opening day deer season and yeah. yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's like, it's, it's totally different out there than obviously you're starting to see it now, like being in the Midwest more, um, and coming from Pennsylvania and how different it is, um, out here.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess just, you know, the style is just so different um, because growing up, I never knew a single person that archery hunted. Like it was like rifle season for two weeks. That was deer season. So, I mean, it was kind of one of those things like we went out and you just had to be ready to shoot because guys were driving deer or whatever. Like you didn't actually really hunt deer. So coming out here, which I did archery hunt and like I had a crossbow for a long time um, growing up, but even that, like that was like a whole learning process for me. I was like, okay, I have to learn how to deer hunt and archery hunt. So this is totally new. Um, so I guess the style is just so much different. And obviously I mostly bow hunt now. So, I mean, you know, I, I try to be strategic with how I do things and, you know, try to be a little bit, smarter about it I guess instead of just being like ready to shoot a deer but when I do go home it's kind of like the same way like late season is like you just have to be ready to shoot so <laughs> it's just like it's cool to see like the differences but it is way different so
3: did now did you grow up in a family that that was from hunting like what what got you into it like where did you start
1: yeah uh, I mean my dad is like a huge deer hunter like he's obsessed with it um so uh, my parents, growing up, used to work different shifts. Like my dad would be night shift, um, so naturally during the day I was with him, and he was going hunting whether I was there or not. So I always went with, and I kind of just grew into it, and um, you know, just going with him, and I always enjoyed it, and. I think I shot my first year when I was 12 and kind of was just hooked ever since. And obviously now I'm super diehard dedicated to it. But yeah, that's pretty much where my start was. And my, just my family in general, they're all hunters. Like my cousin has farmland that he farms and, you know, the whole family gets to hunt it and stuff. So that's kind of what I grew up hunting. So.
3: That's awesome. Yeah. Cause, yeah. you know, a lot of, a lot of, and, and it's, and I was going to ask you is like being, being a girl growing up in a hunting family, like, was it, was it different for you? Like, I don't, you know, yeah. And <laughs> yes. I, I guess where I'm trying to go with that is that like when I was growing up, like, it was an all guy sport or whatever it was yeah. very sexist of a sport like you know girls didn't go to the to the gun clubs girls didn't weren't part of the hunting aspect of it like so like how was it different for you growing up at and being a girl and being so hardcore into the hunting world
1: I mean so like my direct family like they thought it was like normal just because I was always a part of it um but I mean like There were girls at school that hunted, but when I say hunted, it was, they went and they sat in their dad's box blind and waited for a buck to walk out and they shot it in like like opening day. And that was the only day of the year that they hunted. So like knowledge base, I didn't know anyone who was a girl outside of my family that like hunted. Like I just, I didn't have any friends that did it. I didn't, I didn't know anyone. And it's kind of funny because I used to have like an old YouTube channel Like, way back in the day, I think I was in middle school when I started it. And even on there, I didn't know a single girl who hunted or had a channel, like, that did anything like that or had any interest in it. So, it was, like, very different, um, I guess, more on the friend side of things. Like, I obviously had girlfriends, but, like, I was always one of the guys because I just liked to hunt and, like, be outdoors as opposed to, like, doing girly things. So, yeah, it it was definitely different. But, I mean... I really like. I didn't see it in any different because that's just what I was used to, you know. So it's, it's different. I guess more it's it's more different now. Like it's it's weird now because there are more girls that are into it. So it's like if I do come across a girl that t- like talks hunting, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like are are is this real life? Like this is weird, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, <So> you're <laughs> almost weirded out right? like the guys are. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, for real. Because I'm I'm just used to being the only girl, so it's weird.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and, so I, I guess, oops, go, ahead, go ahead. I, I was just going to ask. So with that transition and kind of in this modern era, uh, what's it like, what's the pressure of being a successful female outdoorsman per se? Um, you know, cause it seems like every female we talk to runs into a lot of, um, we'll say negativity, some hatred, some, oh, look at you, you're an insta-huntress, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've done a really good job working around that, portraying the real world, a normal, natural person out in the woods. Uh, Mm -hmm. What's it like from your perspective?
1: Well, I mean, I understand the stigma because – I mean, yes, there are girls who hunt and ones who actually do enjoy it and are in it for what I would consider the right reasons. But I would say the majority of female influencers are not in it for the right reasons. And I'll let you determine who that is. But It's pretty um, obvious. Yeah, it is pretty <laughs> obvious. And so, I mean, whatever, you know, you do, th- do your thing, whatever. But honestly, like, it's not hard for me, because like, I don't have to fake it. Like I am genuinely out here hunting. I'm genuinely out here doing things. And you know, when I run my social media stuff, it's like, it's not like a photo shoot every day. It's like, okay guys, like I'm actually, you know, crawling after this turkey to try to kill it because the turkey season has been so dang tough this year. Like I'm actually doing that. So it's like, I don't have to like fake it. Like I'm just taking everyone along on my journey what i'm doing and i try to be like just very authentic with it and and show that i genuinely do enjoy this and i'm not trying to do it for attention i'm just sharing my experiences and and i i try to really advocate youth and and other women to get into hunting because you know like i said growing up i didn't know a single girl that did it so it was it's it's cool to like have girls that reach out to me and and say oh you know you're such an inspiration and you know whatever and and that's awesome like to me to to have that ability to you know i guess empower other people and 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 just be that outlet for them to realize that they can do it too so
2: yeah <laughs> no, that's awesome uh, so in our situation like uh, both of our wives my wife has been hunting for a few years and she's getting in and that's really what she looks up to is um the media end of women hunting and it's sometimes Mm -hmm. hard to find the real people versus the people who are going out on a canned situation look at me everything's b-roll except for me holding the animal so it's refreshing to have people like you out there who are doing it for real going through the struggle seeing what it's like for the everyday real person who's doing it themselves and uh just want to tell you thank you and if, I appreciate it because it helps drive <laughs> say my wife and friends wives and sisters to go out and do that they see that it's not a bad thing you know it's normal yeah and there are people that do it and they do it right
1: <clears throat> so yeah.
2: I, I well, guess what I'm yeah. saying is thanks for being a good example
1: <laughs> well you're welcome I guess <laughs> I mean you know it's it- Right now, I feel like there's a lot um, less, you know, people out, like women out there who are legitimate. But I think it is slowly changing. Um, And I think the more that people do see the ones who are legit, they realize, okay, that's actually what I want to be like. And that's what I want to do. And, and I think it will progress. It's just going to kind of be a slow, steady process, but I, I already see a little bit of a a change and a shift. So I think, I mean, I don't know if I contribute to that, but if I can at least influence one person, like I've done my job, like that's, that makes me happy. So regardless, I'm going to be out here doing it and I'm going to film it and whatever. So whoever wants to follow my stuff, cool. If not, then, you know, you do you kind of thing.
2: That's awesome. Well said. Yeah,
1: It's,
3: it's cool to have, you know, just, it's, it's, it's a weird thing for me, honestly. And I think I've said this in when we had podcasted before, is that like, it's, it's, it's totally different to have, to talk to girls that are hardcore badass chicks that can hunt because it's, it's not, there's not many of them out there, you know, like you trying to have a conversation with some, some of the girls that or ladies that are hunters and they don't, they don't know anything about it. Like they mm-hmm. just like, you do be like, Oh yeah, you know, eh, well, my boyfriend brings me out hunting and I shot this, yeah. but they don't understand like what it's actually like. And it's like, you know, with co- talking to you, like you do it on your own there's nobody else out there to help you. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, like you're just out there doing it and you've been successful, you know, showing that. And I think that that curve of lady hunters is coming out because it's okay that you don't need to be on the, on the intra, on the Insta hunter huntress side of it. Um, that you actually can be a badass chick and actually kill things. And people do like it. It doesn't, you don't have to be flashy.
1: Yeah. And I think, honestly, like, I'm just a very, like, naturally, I'm just a very independent person. And obviously, you know, growing up with it, it's just hunting was just what I did. It was part of me and, and I enjoy it and I'm very passionate about it. And I, I think a lot of women are not as... um aggressive in their personalities to just be willing to go out and just do it. Um, And I think that might be the reason why a lot of them are just kind of slowly working into it because it's like they don't have that role model per se that, you know, they can see and and kind of follow, you know, because I feel like women are more followers when it comes to something like this, because it is like a man's world in a sense. So there are not as many of us who are as aggressive and just go-getters and willing to just go out and do it. So I think that might be a lot of it too. Um, And, you know, so the easy end to that is to just show some skin and say, oh, I like to hunt, you know, but (laughs) the legitimate ones are like more aggressive and like, okay, I'm actually out here hunting. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I feel like, I feel like it does. And I think I think that's why it's kind of been like a slow process, but it is coming around, and I'm excited about that. So,
3: definitely, it's It's kind of funny, is because a couple of people. I mean, we have one supporter um, that listens to us regularly, and she is one of those go getters, badasses, um, and Mm -hmm. literally won't hunt with the boys like, won't, like, will not hunt with the boys, like, <laughs> totally driven, like, no, it's not going to happen, like, was having a tough turkey season, um, and was like, we were like, come on, come with us, you know, like, you can come home mm-hmm. with us, we'll bring you out, whatever, she's like, nope, nope, won't do it, won't do it, and she did it on her own and went and shot two, two Jakes on her own, and that Sweet. was it, I mean, like, like, in, in, you know, goes out duck hunting in her own boat by herself, mm-hmm. um, just, like, doesn't care about what everybody else is doing. Doesn't care if it's successful or not, but just so willing and drive-oriented to just make it happen. And I think that the couple of girls that are hunters, um, that are, like, real hunters, they're very, like you're saying, just self-driven and, like, totally, like, embarking in it. You know what I'm saying? And just, just like, it's so cool to see, you know, because, like I was saying before <laughs> – growing up as a kid and going to like, you know, like there was a lot of hunting clubs that we would be part of. And like, there was, there was ladies night. So that was the only night that the ladies could come to the gun club. Um, Mm -hmm. They weren't allowed in the gun club during hunting days. It was a men's only thing. So like Mm -hmm. I grew up in this bubble of that women don't hunt. They're not allowed to hunt. It's a man's sport, you know, yeah. so to see it now and it's like, listen, you old men, these girls are three <laughs> times more badass than you will ever be. They've killed way more animals and they're way more driven than you ever will be. Get your ass <laughs> up and do something, you know, so it's like it's so cool to see it. And I think that I think that the industry needs that, because if there wasn't if there wasn't women like you out there, then my thing is that the kids won't follow it you know what i'm saying because women are so much more up to have not only more women to get involved but children to get involved because they're they're they you know it's they they're more to empower the kids also to be part of it Um, yeah and they say when when the women of the household are hunters so are the children so that's important it really is
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those things it's like back in the day, like hunting was just so much more accepted. And so it didn't really matter if women didn't hunt, you know, because the kids were going to most likely do it anyway. Um, But obviously, like, you know, times are just so much different. And, you know, hunting is just so scrutinized all the time. And and there's just less and less people doing it. So I, I feel like it is a good thing to have more women not only for other women, but like you said, the youth too, because if less men are doing it, then, well, who the heck else is going to do it, you know? So Mm -hmm. um, I, I definitely agree with that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, look, they have their own, women now have their own clothing line, their own hunting clothing lines. I mean, that's, I think it's kind of cool. You know what I'm saying? Because that, that's another thing that entices more women to get involved in the sport
1: yeah it's so I'm I'm so happy that it's happening because for the longest time I used to have to wear like youth extra large like boys stuff because <laughs> I'm I'm not a very big person so I never fit any like dudes camo so like I'm excited about that
3: <laughs> and that's kind of why I brought it up because it was kind of one of those things like how, how did you deal with that because a lot of yeah. women are smaller and I mean how do they fit into it and I mean let's be honest most of the hunting population are over 250 pounds, six foot tall. So, right. I mean, for <laughs> women to in your hunting clothes is not very easy, you know.
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, honestly, like, I growing up, it was just I bought whatever fit, and so it could have been like 10 different camo patterns that I was wearing, and honestly, I still do that sometimes, but I mean, it was just whatever fit, and you know, my. Dad didn't want to spend a ton of money on me just, you know, because I would grow and stuff. So it was like we would go to Walmart and buy like a long sleeve T-shirt and a hoodie and, you know, whatever coveralls would fit me. And and that's kind of what it was. And I honestly still have some of that stuff. But like, you know, I'm not a very big person, so it was difficult. Um, So it is like cool to have like women's lines and stuff now that stuff actually fits and like looks decent and is practical because <laughs> yeah, like I, said, I was gonna say practical I the wore, word. like i literally wore like youth larges and extra larges because like my size is just like i never fit adult clothing <laughs> so it's funny it's,
3: it's kind of funny that you say that with the mismatched camo because one of my mentors <laughs> growing up always said to me he goes i'd rather see see kids um wearing mismatched camo killing does than i would someone wearing sick of gear killing 10 point bucks and it's all kind of right, one yeah. of those people it's so believable though. For sure. you. Yeah. you know, cause I mean the, and that's the other thing where the industry is kind of curved is that it, it's all about those brands and all about oh, yeah. those, you know what I'm saying? And I think with, with the new, with the new coming in with the, you know, the lady hunters and, and all that stuff, it's, it's definitely changing the world of the hunting industry.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely interesting because I mean, Don't get me wrong, like, you know, it's great that we have all these options and stuff and, and, you know, different brands and whatever. But, I mean, there is definitely a stigma behind it, especially camo. It's like, okay, my dad used to wear blue jeans (laughs) <laughs> and like a red or orange flannel, like yes. that's what he would wear. And he would shoot way more deer than you guys ever will. Like.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: uh, like camo is not for the deer. It's, it's like your own personal, like peace of mind. Like, oh, I blend in. But like at the end of the day, like you have to be a good hunter to kill deer. It's not necessarily about like the brand that you're wearing or the brand you're shooting or whatever. Cause. I mean, let's be honest, like anything on the market these days is going to kill a deer. Like it just is. It's, you know, technology <laughs> is so advanced that it's it's up to personal preference anymore.
2: Yeah. It, so. if, what do you like? <laughs> what do you think looks good? Because at the end of the day, it's not the deer's yeah. eyes you're fooling. It's are you able to fool the, fool the deer?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yep.
2: Well, you heard it first right here, Caitlin, yeah. that it <laughs> you got to be a good hunter to
3: kill deer. It's yeah. not camo. <laughs> It's not the camera.
1: Shocker! Yeah,
3: (laughs) I laugh so hard with like, and and it's no knock. I mean, anybody you know, like a lot of the high end brands are great. They're very, you know, they they are. It's it's not about just a camo pattern, but it's about the use. Um, You know, with I mean, obviously, you know like, like Sitka gear or any of the other stuff. I mean, the warmth, the, the waterproofing, the, you know, it's, it's great for that, but it's funny watching some of these people put it on. Like it's going to change their hunting world. Like, Oh, I'm going to shoot the biggest buck of my life because I'm wearing this camo. Well, let me Mm -hmm. tell you something right now, nine times out of 10, you have to cover your Sitka gear with orange. So it really doesn't mean (laughs) shit. I mean, let's be honest with you. Um, (laughs) Right. So it's, it's just funny to me, you know, the guys that, you know, that get into that realm and it's kind of like, you know, the women hunters and, you know, you have the Sitka hunters and this, that, it's just like, why, why can't we all just blend together and just right. have yeah. a good time and enjoy it? You know, it's, why does yeah. it have to be like that? Well, it's always great.
2: Cause if you're going out, you're sitting in a spot and there isn't a deer within a mile of you and there never was, and there won't be, you're not going to see a deer because of your camo
1: right yeah exactly <laughs> and
2: you can't pound that into people's heads they go I get the yeah. gear that I heard was awesome it's the best I'm going to go out into this random piece and set up and I'm going to kill yeah. deer no it doesn't work that way you got to find the deer regardless of what you're using
1: yep exactly <laughs> Is it, it is it is comical because it's like, you know, you see all these people that are such gearheads about different things. And I am I literally like I said, I'm still wearing like my mixed match camo half the time. And it's like I do just fine. So, you know, you don't you don't I mean, don't get me wrong. Like you said, like, you know, the comfort and the, the warmth and the versatility and stuff like that. That is convenient. It's very nice, but it's not always necessary. So, yeah, you got to You got to actually know how to hunt.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well said. <laughs> So, so when you started to become like an influencer and you, so on and so forth, um, was it a little bit intimidating for you, like going into some of the shows and, and, and doing kind of some of this, the influencing stuff that you do?
1: Uh, oh, gosh. I mean, as far as like social media, no. I, I kind of just like I said, I share what I'm up to. Like, it's kind of a day-to-day, you know, or whatever. Whatever's going on, that's what I'm sharing. But um, as far as doing trade shows, I would say my first year at ATA, which I think that was three years ago now, um, that was a little intimidating just because I... I didn't know what to expect, and obviously that's, like, the top of, like, you know, all the influencers and all the TV personalities and just big names are there. And so I think that was a little intimidating, just not knowing what to expect and, and uh, you know, not knowing what, what's going to be there, who do, who's going to be there kind of thing. But as far as, like, the – I guess if you want to call me an influencer side of things, I mean, no, I, I don't I don't really see it any different. Like, I just – run my stuff and I show, I show what I'm doing. And I mean, it's, I don't know, it's kind of just like a second, second nature thing. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy filming. I enjoy photography. So I just happen to do it and I happen to share it. So I don't know. I mean, I guess if that answers your question.
3: Yeah. No, no, no. I just, I didn't (laughs) know. know. like You know, no, 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 no. I like, like going into some of the trade shows and stuff and, and, and and move, progressively moving yourself along. Um, sometimes it can be kind of you know even for us. I mean, it, it can be very you know it, it can be it be tough to take in sometimes and meeting everybody and and you're kind of going in it alone um, and just and going to these shows and so on and so forth. So it's kind of. I <laughs> You being like us, like we roll deep, you know, like there'll be four or five of us. You, you kind of, you know, you kind of (laughs) just
1: Yeah, I kind of just do it. Um Right. I, I don't know. I think that's just like again, like with my personality. I'm just somebody that like I if I'm passionate about something, then I'm I'm kind of all in with it. Um and I really never had like a set expectation when I went to trade shows. Like I just went as an experience, um, and I still kind of feel that way. Like I wasn't going to like, oh, let's see if I can pick up 10 sponsors or, you know, let's see if I can do this or meet this person. Like it, it just like I kind of showed up and, and experienced it, you know, and, and I did meet people. And I mean, it, it can be intimidating, but at the end of the day, they're just, you know, they're people like us, like everyone else. You know, some people feel that they're more special than others, but. I mean, you kind of learn who you like and who you get along with, and and who is on the same path as you, and you kind of just stick yourself with those people. And I mean, that's even how I met you, like you yeah. know. So it's cool to to network like that and and meet people that are you know so similar minded.
2: For sure, so
1: I wouldn't say I'm intimidated. I guess like that, I'm not really.
2: Well, see, and I'm. That I'm, doesn't bother me. I'm really glad you put it the way you did. Because that's one thing that's been very apparent to me uh, as well is when you get into those shows and get around these people that you've seen for years and these people behind these products, you almost have that sense that they're, you know, hey, I should go over and be, you know, almost starstruck. And after you talk to them, you realize they're just everyday normal people doing the same Mm -hmm. thing as we are. And mm-hmm. I'm going to say this very bluntly, for the most part, most of them are great people. I mean, yeah. you, you, you have those ones out there that, you know, yeah. you walk away scratching your head. We've all mm-hmm. met them. But for the most part, everybody in there, I mean, you may be working directly against them in the market, but you're still going to sit down, shake hands and go have a beer afterwards.
1: Right. I yeah, mean, it's just sure.
2: real people.
3: It's... It's crazy because you go – like like you said, Caitlin, like you go in there. You're not going there looking for a sponsor. You're not going there to meet this person. You're literally going there to hang out with like-minded people that you've met throughout the entire – throughout the years or the year. Yeah. You know, like like you're like, oh, who's going to ATA? And then everyone meets up, hangs out, drinks a beer, and we all tell stories. Let's um, face it. Yeah. In, our, in our case, it's let's see if we can get
2: through it without remember, or without forgetting the night. <laughs>
1: Okay. I mean, you're not wrong.
2: <laughs> we don't talk about that, Stephen. We don't talk about well, that. Well, I didn't. That's why I'm not bringing up specifics. <laughs> I guess we all have our own remembrances of who does what at what shows, but we'll, we'll no, nah, nobody did anything. We all showed up and left. I don't know. I don't remember exactly. <laughs> uh, but it's, okay, it's just
1: okay, there may be a little bit of drinking involved, but <laughs> that's just that's part of the social side.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's the only way we can deal with people, right? No, that's yeah, yeah. And I'm sticking with it. Um, no, but it's it's just it's it's just so much fun. And honestly, like I'm, I'm glad that you put it the way that you did like you went in there and just that's how a lot of people should go there um to enjoy it and and to see it and meet everybody and that everybody is we all bleed red and we're all there for the same reasons and we're there to you know we like to hang out with like-minded people because there's very few of us that that out there now um so it's kind of cool to be at those shows and doing those things to be honest for sure
1: yeah and even with like my you know youtube and stuff like that like it's so wild to me because like like i said when i go to shows i don't necessarily have a goal with like whatever happens happens i'm not i'm not going there to like pick up sponsors or whatever and so like it's cool just to go and experience it and like for you know when i make my videos and stuff i'm just putting it out there just to put it out there i don't have a goal so just to even be where i am is like so cool to me and like it's kind of surreal because it's like like wow oh, i never expected this like i I wasn't putting my stuff out there to just become somebody I just you know enjoy doing it and and obviously other people enjoy it too so it's cool to just like network and communicate and talk to people and just meet people from all over that just they have they're so passionate like I am so like that's just awesome to me. And you
3: did it because of the passion and the love for it. You didn't do it for love or for likes. You did it
1: because. <laughs> You're damn because- right. <laughs> uh,
3: and that's a whole nother. Actually, the funny, funny thing is so a friend of mine sends me, sends me a, a Snapchat the other day and says, oh, look at this show for love or likes. And I go, bro, listen, if I find out that you watch that show, I will literally <laughs> disown you as a friend. Because oh, you, he's like, why? It's got to be pretty cool, and I'm like, bro, it's not. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and I will disown you as a friend um, <laughs> because those people are doing it for the wrong reason, and it goes back to the intra hunters and huntresses, um, yeah. just doing it for all the wrong reasons. Um, it's 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 so it's so stupid, and it's so crazy to me, like that that somebody could honestly do that. You know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. it's disgusting to me. Like I just. We, we all do it for, you know, it pisses us off because honestly, like, you know, like you, Caitlin and us, like we, we do things because we love it because of the passion, because of our drive for it. And these people go and get 3000 times more likes and shares because of who they are. And it's like, yeah. do you really understand the struggles that we go through every day? We don't get to mm-hmm. hunt in some of the States that, that you guys do or get the pictures to right. these ranches. We like struggle. We mm-hmm. put in the time and the hard effort to get where we are, you know? And it's like, fuck, I got 20 likes. Like, that's awesome, you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And like, like I'm not going to lie. I would say it is a little easier for me just because I am a girl you know, but like at the end of the day, I really don't care about that. Like that doesn't mean anything to me. And I've had people like say, Hey, you know, you should come hunt on my 7,000 acres that I have in the middle of, you know, freaking Kentucky or something. And I'm just like, you know, like, I appreciate that you offer that. But at the end of the day, like I hunt public, not necessarily because I have to, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I could get permission, you know, or a lease or something, but like, I really do enjoy just going out, experiencing it, learning it and, and just figuring deer, mostly deer, figuring them out. And, and just like, just that whole entire experience of it is what is important to me. And like that just, it just makes it so much better when it all comes together because I'm like, okay, I did work for this and you know, I struggled through it, but I did get it done or, you know, whatever. And so it's like that part of it is just like, like what I love. Like, it's not even just like, Oh, I happened to shoot a deer. Like, yeah, that's awesome. But if you didn't work for it, you just don't appreciate it. Right. So. And yeah. when you look I mean, at that,
3: when you look at that euro on the wall, you know, you earned it. You, that's yours. Yeah. You you did all the hard work and all the grind to kill that deer and, and any other deer, but you look at it. And if I was to, say it was to go and pay a guided hunt or whatever and don't not able to hang my own stands or cameras or whatever and not put in the work it wouldn't be the same to look at that deer i don't care if it was 200 inches it just wouldn't mean the same you know and i mean
1: i get it like you know I'm not going to knock anyone, you know, for going through an outfitter or whatever. I've done it, you know, and everything has a purpose. Like, you know, some guys literally don't have the time to dedicate to Mm -hmm. public land or going out and figuring out a whole piece throughout the season. Like, you know, so I get that and, and it it does suck, but it's like like me personally, like I just, I would rather work for it. Like, that's just how I enjoy doing it. And so like public land is just like, so ideal for me, you know?
3: Absolutely. So, So, so as, as you know, as your journeys progress here, what are some of like your goals for the 2020 season as they, as they unfold for you? Like, do you have any big plans of like a big, like deer tour or.
1: Uh, well, honestly, I, I was so busy turkey hunting. I have not had time to like sit down and like plan my fallout. <laughs> <laughs> I literally. I had no time, but um, I mean, honestly, I would say my biggest goal is just trying to figure out Kansas, but I might do like a like a mini deer tour um, but I I don't want to break my time up too much because I feel like the less time I have to hunt a particular spot because I'm trying to figure it out like on my own um, if I if I like shorten my time too much then I just am way like unsuccessful and I don't want to be like that so I might just hunt like a handful of states and just really kind of focus and and grind out on those but um, You know, and then maybe just try some new spots next year. I kind of usually just, like, rotate. Like, I'll pick a couple states each year and try to focus on them and then, you know, go from there. So I I don't necessarily have, like, a specific plan, but I would say Kansas is, like, my big focus this year. I don't blame you.
3: Yeah, I don't blame you at all. You cheated by moving to Kansas. Okay, you went from Pennsylvania down to Kansas. I mean, how did you do that? That's like moving out of a box into a Taj Mahal. I mean, come on, how did you do that? You know. <laughs> I'm glad that you're chasing I mean, your dreams. I,
1: I purposely like. I was like, okay, I'm. Well, I mean, it just made sense because I was working in Kansas City, so I'm like, all right, well, it's either Kansas or Missouri side because it's right on the line. So I was like, I might as well take advantage of the Kansas residents because you know why not. Since it's a draw state, because then I'll just be able to hunt both sides. So just made sense. Nothing
3: wrong with that. I can just I was just busting on you for it, but I, <laughs> I think it's a good idea. He just so, jealous. Yeah, that's all that's it, all it is. is. I'm stuck here in Shitville East Coast. So Yeah, um. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on Instagram, on Facebook, on mm-hmm. on YouTube, you name it.
1: Yeah. Um, so for facebook and youtube it's just caitlin moss outdoors and then my instagram is always complicated it's um k8 l-i-n-m underscore 34 (laughs) but i'm sure if you type in caitlin moss you'll find it so yeah (laughs) (laughs) i should change it honestly i've been thinking about just changing it but i'm like i feel like i'm too far in like i'm invested people know who i am by that so like I don't know if it's a good idea to change it, but I don't you know. You said
3: this the last time that we podcasted, and that was over I a year ago.
1: I, really, I do think about it. I'm like, man, I really should change it, because it's like, like, I don't know what I was thinking, but now it's I'm like...
3: stamp? I yeah. hey, Just
2: stick to your roots. Like, I don't
1: know. <laughs> I don't know. It's so working. For now, that's what don't change it.
3: <laughs> so is there anything you want to leave the people with?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh <laughs> That's a very okay, so blunt
2: so. <laughs> oh, we'll switch it up. Is there anything that any women trying to get into the outdoors should know? Is oh, that narrow at all?
3: Oh, it. Uh, I was trying to make it Stephen, easier, <laughs> Stephen. You're so smart.
1: <laughs> um, honestly, I, I guess. Just for anyone trying to get into hunting or, you know, outdoors type things, just don't be afraid to ask for help or, you know, seek out someone um, just to get started. Because I know a lot of people don't have that outlet like I had with my dad. Um, and so even if you're like afraid or you're like kind of thinking about it, just do it. Like there's nothing better than just doing it and diving headfirst, because I promise you it will be awesome. Like there's just nothing better than being outside and just like taking it all in and, and just enjoying nature. So, I mean, it's, I mean, even if you're, you're just curious and need to talk to me, I'm always available. Like I, I try to answer everyone that messages me and try to have that like open door and, you know, communication kind of thing. So, I guess just like dive in and, and just do it if you're, if you're thinking about it.
3: Well said. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so our last and final question is what drives you outdoors?
1: Oh, deer. <laughs> I love deer. Um, Gosh, I mean, pretty much, honestly, everything that we just talked about, like, I really just have a passion for it. It's in my blood, and I will continue to do it, whether Instagram goes away tomorrow or YouTube goes away tomorrow. Like, I just love it. So,
2: that's, that's my, about as It's as real as it gets.
1: Yeah, I mean, I that's it. <laughs> it's pretty black and white.
2: I love it. Well, Caitlin, we can't thank you enough for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule now that we know you're especially out trying to recoup from your turkey tour. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it it was great having you on. It it was a good time. Uh, Again, thank you for being that right kind of role model for women wanting to get into the industry and just to get outdoors. Uh, There's not enough of it. So keep pushing, keep doing what you're doing. And thank you. (laughs) and, And for everyone out there, Take this on, take your kids out, take your family out. If you've got women in the family who are intimidated, uh, use Caitlin as an example. It it is possible. It is okay. It's normal. Go do it. Get them out there. Teach them, coach them. Um, It's going to be the future of the outdoors. So take advantage of it. And we want to thank you guys, especially today for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive.